If you're in business, you probably have a website, but can your site handle your growth? How many visitors before your site slows down or crashes? What about storage and data security? From web hosting to virtual servers, Pair Networks provides the online infrastructure you need to start, grow, and flourish. When it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24-7 U.S.-based customer support is the best in the industry. No frustrating chatbots are sitting on hold for hours. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. That's P-A-I-R.com. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Richard, how are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, you're absolutely uh, more than welcome. It was one of uh, our subscribers, or I think several of our subscribers said, Chris, could you get Richard on the show? Oh, that's very kind. Yes. Well, I've been listening to your channel. I've, I've been listening on and off for a few months now. I, I, I love the fact that you're questioning the narrative, and I think it's incredibly important. Um, we're going to talk about a few things, aren't we? So maybe smart cities, World Economic Forum or WEF, um, Klaus Schwab, this kind of thing. But I also want to say, perhaps if we got time at the end, I'd love to chat about your fascinating story because you're an actor, you're an author, you're a circus daredevil, street performer, mime, which is just utterly utterly fascinating but i think for the people that want the nitty-gritty we'll yeah we'll, let's go in with absolutely the, should we go in with the hard stuff <laughs> go on then <laughs> so um how how have you found the youtube experience with with respect to enlightening people as to what's kind of been going on well it's it, it, what's been fascinating for me is uh, that a lot of my audience has actually been enlightening me as I go, as I've been questioning what's going on. And I've been aware of a lot of this, you know, I mean, the the situation with the pandemic when that came and and how things didn't seem quite right and people were a bit confused and you found that you could have a, you couldn't have a, a conversation with people because as soon as you got to one area of it people suddenly were they didn't want to listen to you anymore and you were just going hang on I'm, I'm just questioning i'm just questioning because this doesn't seem right and so i became more and more aware that things weren't right and you start looking around and and all of that and then i held back a little bit about putting this on youtube because i thought they clearly don't want you to talk about this and people were saying, well, as soon as you start talking about this, you'll be cancelled, you'll all close down. So I started to do this in a more subtle way in which I was more really trying to get the audience to engage and get them to think. So I play it somewhat dimly, if you like. So if you, you know, if people go rushing off to watch my videos after doing this very nice interview with yourself and they, and they say, Oh, you know, he doesn't seem to know anything. It, it's a it's a bit of an act. It's a bit of a, a way of getting to people who don't know, because I think there's you can talk to the you can talk, for, you know, for hours to those who are already converted, who already know what you're talking about. And you're not making much of a difference because you're just talking to the you're preaching to the converted. 
I'm interested in trying to get those people who've heard things and are going, oh, this bloke, he's not pushing it down my face. He's just questioning it in a more lighthearted, simple way that makes them then think, mm, I wonder, actually, I wonder if it's, let me just have another look. And so I want to set people off on the journey rather than perhaps just continually talk about it. The one question that I get asked is, all talking about it's all very well. What could we do? What could we do? And I don't have the answers any more than anybody else I don't know. But collectively, I think the more people that know, that's the strength. Yes, and I think you're doing a great job. I mean, you come across as very professional and you look very respectable. And I think there's a, a need for that, isn't there? That 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 everyone's different on YouTube. It, it's kind of walks of all life. And if you can uh, use the term, wake somebody up or point someone, it, it, I think there's a job for all of us, isn't there? Yes, no, absolutely. Um, I would say that my demographic generally is 40 plus and and a lot of older people perhaps who are more mainstream viewers mm. and so i mean i this is how i dress ordinarily i'm a bit of an, an english eccentric in in some ways as people say to me um and i i love england and i i'm english and my parents are english and my parents before you know it's just and i a lot of what all this was concerning me was because england seemed to be changing rather dramatically and and when I say England, of course, I am also, you know, British and and I think of Scotland and Wales and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that England was something that became a bit of a no-no. You can't mention England. You have to be British. And I thought, hang on, everybody else is proud of their country. I'm proud of mine. Thank you very much. Um, and it's not just a flag for football. And so some of my videos have been with my girlfriend, Julia, and we've gone out just planting the flag to say, look, you know, it's not a racist comment. It's just this is our country and we're proud of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so I think sometimes people see me as a bit of a mainstream character that that you might find on the BBC or something like that. But if that attracts a certain audience that would ordinarily be watching the BBC and they think, oh, actually, he's all right. You know, he's not he's not out there and he's just sort of ranting and, and shouting. If I can reach those people and get them to start the journey and question things and go, well, yeah, actually, that doesn't sound quite right. I wonder why that is the case. Then I've, you know, I've, I've achieved my goal. Yes, cognitive dissonance is a it's fascinating but scary at the same time time would you agree richard uh, well absolutely and of course we're all being brainwashed and we right from the beginning of life we're being we're being guided on how to to run our lives by by well by so many things but of course the mainstream media television the invention of television um and of course now we've got screens and and all these different online platforms which are guiding us and telling us how we should live our lives, what we should aspire to, the sort of lifestyle, the sort of things you you sh really should be buying. You should be buying this because it'll enhance your life. And you buy it and you go, well, yeah, for five minutes it did. But now, oh, I see they've updated it. There's a newer version. There's a more exciting version. It's a little bit more expensive and it does this one extra. Oh, I must have that. And we've been indoctrinated with this, this, this one thing. And I know I know you're into more spiritual things and the things that are really for free, the things that really mean something to people, 
we're we've been so diverted from that um that we, that you know people who speak of that are often ignored uh, and that's a great shame because just walking in the woods watching wildlife climbing up on the downs where i am in the south of england is is you know it has so much meaning and it's free um and and i think people should remember that yes i learned a fascinating thing this week I've been fascinated with the pineal gland for a long time now because it goes back in the ancient scriptures, which which all in their allegorical way relate to the enlightenment that the, the spiritualness that you mentioned. And for anyone out there, if you if you want to know if you're on the road to enlightenment, it's really simple. When you shut your eyes, your pineal gland kicks in. If you're living your life in accordance with the principles of enlightenment. When your pineal gland senses that darkness, it triggers the serotonin and DMT, known as milk and honey in 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 script scriptural terms, i.e. I. paradise. And I did this sort of exercise with with one of my best friends here. I said, "Right, shut your eyes." I said, "What do you feel?" Went, Nothing. I said, "You don't get a feeling like you know you've just popped a pill or something, and you're whoa." Nah. Well, I do, Richard. That's it's fascinating. This is why I love it so much. But it's also that, kind of as a warrior, I'm passionate about finding the way out of this nonsense that we found ourselves in. And that simple thing I said there—they don't teach that, like you no. said. They're not going to teach that in schools, are they? Well, clearly the world has been, um, it's a financial world, isn't it? And it's all about the, the very much materialistic approach to everything that you, you know, when you go to school, you're all, you're straight away geared towards, you've got to get qualifications because if you don't get these qualifications, these specific qualifications, you can't get a job. And if you don't get a job, you can't have all this. No one says to you, well, you might not need all that. No one actually says, you know, really, you need some very basic things, shelter, warmth, and, and you know, those sort of things, simple things. Mm. And, and I found, as I've got older, you start to realise, actually, I've lived in the world, I've been around, I've bought cars, I've, I've well, I've only bought, I've only ever had one house, and so I'm still in the same place I've had for 30-odd years. Um, but you buy things, you've upgraded those things, you've had that journey with material things, and you still need material things to get by obviously you can't just sort of sit in the lotus position and and hope that you'll survive you know and bring up family and stuff you do actually need to get up and do things and have a few things but in essence as you get older you you realize so much of this was not where the happiness was or what was rewarding to you and actually just as i say you know walking um out on a beautiful day or, or a cold frosty day and looking at the sunrise or the sunset those magical things that everybody seems to have intrinsically in them because even the most uh, materialistic person may go out with their with their iphone or what have you and go oh look at that the sun is rising and they'll hold it and they want to capture the moment in a million photos and you think just get rid of the camera for a minute and just experience it but you can see that inside them, it's there screaming to be, uh, to come out and realize that that all of this trinkets is not really what you need. But we live in that 
trinket world and then coming back to the 15 minute cities there are people who want to sort of somehow keep you in there and get you focused on screens and restrict your movements and stop you from getting out onto that hill or that mountain and just going wow i don't need you know you know that thing when you climb up and you look down and there's the village and the city or the towns and everything all your worries disappear for a few moments because you're not you're not there you're not you haven't got the buzz of all of that it is almost as if that enlightenment is being prevented from getting to people because they want to keep you on the treadmill that's that's how i often think of it absolutely I ran up a, a mountain and climbed because there was a ladder stuck to the rock face at one point, a uh, mountain in Peru, uh, Peru, got to the top. I looked down and I was looking down on Machu Picchu. Wow. Just priceless. Staggering. Yeah. yeah. Priceless. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned the sunrise. When I, I was battling chronic addiction 20-odd uh, years ago and – I, I think it was going to kill me if I didn't work out these answers, which we're, we're, we're discussing now. And in one day it, it just came to me. I'd been in victim mode for, even though I might not verbalize it. I was kind of like this person's fault for doing it. And, and, and this, and there's my parents. And, and it came to me at the moment, no, Chris, only you can save yourself. And from that moment on, Every morning I go to the window, even when the sun's not shining, and I, I, I say, morning sun, thank you so much for this chance at life. That triggered someone in me, Richard, you know, and I think it's gratitude. And from that moment on, I, I knew I had the fire and, and I could never lose. I could never, you know, I was never going to go back. I could never lose it again. Smart cities, world economic fort. Gosh, I was asked yesterday, I was on the iconic platform, David Icke's uh, show chatting to his son, Gareth, and, and, and Matt Hoy and Dominique, one, one, wonderful people that have spoken out about the, the agenda. And they said to me, uh, Chris, smart cities. I said, it's really simple. If we don't even understand enlightenment, why are we talking about changing the face of humanity? <laughs> it, it's what you said, Richard, in schools, not teaching the kids to go out and put their arm around someone when they're upset and make sure they're okay and share that, you know, share that good vibration. And, and it's assumed we sort of know that, isn't it? It's assumed that it's, there's so much that's assumed that those things are, I guess families would ordinarily teach a lot of that emotional stuff, putting your arm around somebody and stuff, but not all families are as, um, as close and, enlightened perhaps uh, as they ought to be of course and and the material world seems to pull them apart anyway yes i, I guess was it, was it i can't remember which uh, social scientist but referred to it as fun a functionalist education very good for getting you a job in a factory or a call center or um not so good at explaining do you know what you actually don't need all that you just need to, like you said to go and witness the sunset and realize boom you know yes or at least have that in your life you know in your i mean it would be great to see a school take the kids out and say okay look we want you to come back this evening and watch the sun go down mm. and we'll do it in the winter so it's not really too late because <laughs> obviously it's certainly in in the uk um 
and you get them up on the on the downs or on a hill or wherever and and you just say to them look okay this is this is something that happens 365 days of the year we've managed to find a good day that's a clear day that's so you can't see this all the time but it's a miracle in its own way because the sun will go around and come back and i just want you to experience it we don't need to talk about the science of it just experience it and just look at it and and if you could get kids to be transfixed get them at the right age where they really it really hits them before they become more cynical and more materialistic i think just that simple act is something because you something like that stays with you when you're a kid you know those those there's which is why if you go back to things like um beating the bounds where in the old days you used to have um a lot of people were were illiterate and in order to know where the parish boundary was of your area the, the place you live your parish they would once a year gather a lot of people together and they would walk around the boundary of the parish which may be five or six miles uh, or more and they would beat drums and they would clack things together but they'd get to certain places you know you might see a big old oak tree well that's easy to remember then you get to a certain place where it turns a corner and all there is is perhaps a small hedge and and somebody's land and they would get one of the children and they might pick them up quite violently and throw them over the hedge well that child will never forget where he was thrown over the hedge other times they would you know do very loud bangings and things and this was a way of telling the children that or getting them to never forget the boundary of where they lived it wasn't just that they were being violent or for the sake of it but they worked this out mm. and those sort of things never leave you so it's taking the kids up you know i i mean in school i went to eep in um in belgium to look at the the graves of the second world of the first world war and hill hillfire um hillfire corner as it was called and hill 60 and passchendaele and, and all of that and i never forget that the impression of all those white graves of representing soldiers and and often with no names and things like that you know and and so we're so impressionable and that's why i think it's so important to get children to see what life is about not just you've got to learn maths till you're 18 as rishi sunak now has uh, said that that's the thing that you know and and all these things yes all that's important as well but it's the balance and i think we have the balance wrong yes rishi sunak is so his wife's father owns infosys isn't it which is a huge uh, indian technology company the sort of thing that the government's are now getting hand in hand with a lot and a bit of a sort of similar to to the Bill Gates kind of scenario i think they've they've just come out with a push for digital id i believe i believe i saw a tweet or something about it so you've got a prime minister who's worth 700 million a year who's got a 1% share in this company i believe it is pushing for digital ids from the company that he's a 1% shareholder in and that his father-in-law owns and that BlackRock and Vanguard are have shaken hat it, <coughs> excuse me it's um it's greed on a terrible level yes i mean that that i was thinking about 
people like Richie Sunak and these people who have more money than they know what to do with. And, you know, you often think, well, if I won, showing my age here, if you won the pools, nobody does the pools anymore. <laughs> but if you won the lottery or something, you know, you, you're only going to get so many, or the Euro lottery where it is huge amount of money. But once you've bought your island and your house and your yachts and all the rest of it, and you've done all those things, there must come a point where it all starts to be very simplistic again. It's like just going into the sweet shop and going, oh, look, I've got five pounds. I can buy my um, sherbet lemons or my licorice all sorts or, you know, my licorice pipes or my pretend cigarettes or all of, all of that sort of stuff. And when you're on that level, what else? You must get bored. Mm. Oh, my lovely girlfriend has just brought me in a lovely cup of tea. I hope you don't mind. Um, cheers. And Cheers. Thank you, Julia. And I just think, yes, that then they start becoming a bit megalomaniac, don't they? They must do, because suddenly they're looking around and going, I'm not getting the pleasure that I get from buying a new washing machine or a new car anymore. They're just things. I've lost all that. And the world now is their playground. And exactly. suddenly, you know, they, we become their pawns because they can do these deals and they're so rich and 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 suddenly somebody like rishi sunak suddenly finds oh i'm the prime minister of england that's quite jolly no one's actually voted for me it's all sort of a little bit uh bit slippery how that happened and Cla but now Klaus can... schwab voted for him <laughs> i'm sure he did He's, a he's such he's, a nice man, isn't he? He's, he's such a lovely fellow. Yes, Rishi Sunak's um, member of the World Economic Forum, and so is his father-in-law, and that kind of says a lot. Doesn't it? We've hit upon something here that's fascinating, because I listened to your chat the other day about the smart cities. And in particular, you were saying, who monitors who's driving the cars with this, you know, you get 50 mm. tickets a month to drive your, your 15 minutes, um etc etc and it's like when you get a, a a speeding ticket from a camera you have to tell them who was driving don't you or you, you don't yes. have to but yes. they they request that you say right who's driving the car on this well here's the thing in these smart cities richard there would need to be some form of digital id i would say that permanently was on your body Otherwise, you could take your ID off and and give it to your buddy and say, "Oh, it's him that yes. it was him that was driving." Or, or this this kind of thing. Yeah. That's fascinating with respect to what we just said about Rishi Sunak. I think. I mean, the thing about the digital cities and this concept of trying to um, monitor who is driving the car. There's, I was approached by somebody who said, "Look, I've seen. I've looked into this, and and there's a whole fraud going on for one thing because, on the one hand." You don't even own your car. The DVLA own the car mm -hmm. um, because you basically, when you buy the car and you have, there's a complicated thing, which I won't go into, um, which again, sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it isn't um, about actually who owns anything and how you, how we all are confused into how this works. But anyway, so on the D on the uh, logbook, you're always known as the keeper. You're not the owner, you're the keeper. You may think that you own it because you've got a receipt, but um, the reason the police can come and take your a vehicle away anyway, because they're part of the crown and so they, or the state, so they actually have a, a bigger right because we've, we've already given that away, but I'll 
that's something for another day. Mm. Um, so the keeper can be a five-year-old child. Somebody else might be insured to drive that car and legally able to drive that car so they can drive the car. And whoever, whatever mechanism has said that car, which has a number plate, has caused this misdemeanor. And so we want to have our money. Thank you very much. They can only go back to the keeper who is this child in this in, in this scenario or a blind person who has a chauffeur to drive them around or whatever, you know. Um, and so then that person is the one that has to go. Well, it wasn't me driving the car. I didn't I didn't do it. It was this person. So they have to shop somebody. Now, if that's not wrong, if that's not wrong, if that's not moral, that somebody who says, well, I didn't do it. But I, but I, unless I pay, I have to shop the person who did it, and this is this is just terrible. What a what a society is it that you then have to say, oh, you know, it wasn't me. If they were to, if they had the facial identification and could it could clearly say, oh, it's Mr. Jones, or they had a chip on on them which they could not get out, and they would say Mr. Jones, then I'm and I'm not advocating for this whatsoever. But I could see, you know, then they can identify the driver, but they're not identifying the driver. They're identifying the vehicle and going back to the keeper who then has that has the moral to say or the, the, the dilemma to say, but it wasn't me driving. And that, in theory, should be the end. Well, it wasn't me driving. You should prove who drove it. It's nothing to do with me. You're saying somebody drove it. But if if but the if they don't, the keeper has to do has to pay the bill. And you go, but it could have been a thief. Well, you didn't report it, did you? You didn't report it as stolen. But, you know, and then people are selling cars, and then there's that middle bit where the car is in in somebody's sold it, and somebody else who's the keeper, and all of that. So I think it's a bit of a nightmare, the whole thing. Yes, I think and- we should start referring to them as digital ghettos as opposed to smart cities. What I was wondering. And I don't have any, this is a very vague thought to, to throw at you and your lovely listeners or viewers. If, if you've got people like the WEF or these, you know, whoever it is who's pulling the strings and, and says, right, okay, we've got more money than sense. We don't know what to do. We're playing God. So we're going to say, well, we're going to keep this lot in this place. There has to be a way to beat them at their own game. I always think that, that whatever the circumstances, there is an opposite to it, another way of dealing with it. There has to be. I don't think there's always just one direction. I think, you know, there's, there's got to be a reverse direction. So then I was thinking, what if it was an ant's nest and these little ants are doing their thing and you're going, okay, I'm going to play God because, you know, you and I can do that in the garden. We can go, right, okay, there's the ants. You're not allowed to move. I'll put a wall around it. You're not going to get, but they'll climb over. They'll find a way around it. And I think, that we humanity will find a way around. I believe in humanity very much mm. and that any other human that thinks that they are God and above us have got a very misguided because I think humanity are much cleverer than these people who've become so rich that they, they now think they're in control. And I, I think that's wrong. I, th- I think people will, will find ways and means you know, like the ants, they'll they'll burrow underneath, they'll climb over, they'll chop the wires and um, put stickers in front of it. They'll 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 turn into like Mission Impossible. You know, they'll they'll come up with with solutions because we won't sit down and and just 
especially in a democratic society like England, where we've we're we're so used to being relatively free, and I stress relatively, that I think after a while people will just get pissed off. You know, I mean, some of us are already in that mode. Yes. Richard, what are your thoughts then? Because if, if you go online and do a bit of research in there's, I think there's more than one paper out there now suggesting that, sorry, the white English population is going to become a minority in this country by, gosh, let's, let's say arbitrarily the next 20 years. Um, right. Does it get to you to physically see it being dissolved in front of our eyes with takes generations thousands of years you know to develop what's going to work for your populace in your in your little pocket of the world and some of that i think works very well and people have worked things out and other people perhaps are maybe a bit more what we would think of being a bit backward in their in their way that they do it but on the one hand, it's none of my business if if that pocket over there want to do their the, the way they're doing. I may disagree with it and think, well, I don't know that that's right, but I don't know that I've got the right to go and tell them how to run their their little island or tribe or you know their their country. And I think you're absolutely right. the The worry is I'm not so much worried about, like you said, you know, the white people particularly per se. Um, although, of course, being up here in Europe, just by the nature of where we are and how the the, the uh, indigenous species, I suppose, if you want to put it that way, have evolved because of the the lack of sunshine and stuff, we we've developed a, a the is it serotonin that's in the skin? We've developed a, the, the way the skin works, you know, and, me, me, and so, melanin. Is that melanin? That's it. Yes. Serotonin is something completely different. She's a lovely girl, but I wouldn't date her. Um, anyway, <laughs> so yes, melanin. So this is my, my problem is I often get my words mixed up and, and uh, my girlfriend will say to me, said, oh, Richard, that you didn't mean to say that, did you? And I said, what did I say? And she was like, oh, I said, no, no. Did I say that? Really? Did I say that? So, yeah. So anyway, um, but how people, the, the fact that people have lived for, say, since the um the romans came here um or and before really but let's just take the last 2000 years um in that the, the romans came and then we had we had influences from lots of places but the, we have over those 2000 years come up with a culture traditions a religion that may be based on other other things we've done some amazing things we've made some terrible mistakes we've learned from those terrible mistakes but effectively, we have this culture where we used to be able to talk to your neighbor and you would use the language, not just the fact that it was English, but you could be ironic with your um, neighbor about something or you could be sarcastic. Um, we have th this nuance of language, which is fantastic because we we all understand it and we all know it. And one of the things about having other cultures and other people from different parts of the world they might speak the same language but if you're being ironic or sarcastic um and i'm i use a bit of sarcasm in my 
in my videos a lot by talking about people who perhaps are not very nice and are or government regimes and i'll say well they're ever so benevolent aren't they they they've got our best interests at heart and i'm talking like that because a i don't want youtube to shut me down because if i actually said what i thought of them i probably you know they would get shot at me but i so i'm using sarcasm as a way of saying something and people who understand that know what i'm talking about but when you've got people coming from other parts of the world, all trying to sort of be in this one melting pot and you're being sarcastic or you're being ironic and you say something, and you know, it's it's pouring with rain and you've just come out and you go, oh yeah, lovely day, isn't it? And they're, they're just, well, I don't know what you mean. It's not a lovely day. And it's then suddenly they think you're on a spectrum because you're you're taking things too literally and you're going, no, no, I'm, I'm being ironic or I'm being sarcastic <laughs> or, or whatever. So that's, you know, so as you start mixing people and changing and then and then you say, it's all right, you can bring your religion with you and you can bring your weird practices with you, which we have not been experienced to. So in other words, there you are where you have an attitude about women and you've come over here and now you think women will behave in a certain way because perhaps you think you're more masculine or more dominant or whatever and you're finding that women don't like it so you're having to be even more dominant to sort of subdue them well that's not how we do things over here we have over a long time worked out that actually we're all equal we all have different roles but we we, we don't do it that way mm. and so then we get into this situation that we we see now with clashes and and also that whole business about different people from different countries who have a, a religion and then there's divisions of that religion and then they're at each other's throats i mean we have that we had that with um with with the whole business in the 70s with the ira and the protestants and the catholics i mean we know you know they're all white and they're all uh all the same people and they're all living in the same but how you know, I, I, if we've not learned something from that, from, you know, the Irish problem, as it were, inviting people from the rest of the world into a tiny little island, it, it's clearly not going to work. No. And and our traditions and, you know, the, the, and then you have the, the leftist and the wokest and all these sort of things which are challenging everything that we've ever known until yesterday, as Douglas Murray would say um that that everything you know we knew a man was a man we knew a woman was a woman um we knew right from wrong we knew that you shouldn't treat people this way we knew that we need to have respect and all of these things and then we have our traditions christmas is okay we don't have to believe in god and jesus and the the, the nativity but it's it's quite comforting to have these things which are probably based on pagan things anyway and it's been there for thousands of years and it's part of our culture it's part of our tradition we don't want to apologize for that thank you and then go oh we'll just call it a winter festival because we don't want to upset upset somebody who's come from another country who wh why do we do this and i think this is i think this is a deliberate policy oh to, absolutely it's part, yeah, part yeah. of the agenda yeah, part of the agenda to confuse and and upset and keep to to break down that cohesion that we have mm. spent two thousand years building up and and for me, I, and I know you were showing me some books about you know how this has gone back to many many years ago, 
But to me, it was it started to become a lot more obvious after the Second World War, you know, after the 1940s and things like the Battle of Britain, where people were genuinely fighting an active foe mm. and were, you know, people were being, we were, we were really for the first time just, you know, the army and the civilians were the targets of in that case, the, the German bombs. Uh, and we went through the Blitz and our, you know, boys in blue fought up there. So, so the first time we, we as a whole nation really came together to fight the fight. And um, and then after that, it's sort of, it seems to me, the last 80 years is um, we've been attacked. Everything has been stopped and changed and manipulated um, from very simple things like farming, the farming practices and we now instead of farming being a way of life and supporting local areas and local communities it's now become an industry a very big powerful industry mm. and you've got to use these fertilizers and you must use these pesticides which of course has affected our health and we use processed foods and we've been encouraged to have more and more of these processed foods and fast food outlets and things like that. And so nutrition and the idea of actually having something local and just simple and very nutritious has gone out the window because again, it's that back to the sort of the, the trinkets and the advertising and the brainwashing that all this is really, really good for you. And actually, no, it's, it's all a load of old cobblers. Yes. Sorry. I went off on one. No, there. no, it's absolutely fine. It's, um, We'll have to take the Second World War narrative another day, Richard, because <laughs> yes, no, no, no. I mean, I'm just using that as a time yeah, no, as a timestamp. No, I, 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 I get that. Um, it's, I, I was chuckling a bit when you said against our common foe. I thought, yeah, the Rothschilds. <laughs> I know a lot of people would um, are thinking the same, but uh, yeah. Richard, this has been fascinating. Um, just as brief as you like, because I know you've got yeah. to get on. You've, I've got to you've, fly. What's it like doing circus stuff? How, that's just an incredible part of, uh, not like our culture, it's normally visiting cultures, isn't it? Sort of, is it Romany or is... The... Well, I, 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 no, I, 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 don't know, I don't know too much about that, uh, but we've always, won, you know, every culture has wanted to tell a story in some form or other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and show ourselves for being able to do feats that we could never do, and 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 so we're all. I mean, look at look at us today. People go on places like TikTok or um, Instagram or whatever it is, or on YouTube, of course it used to be, um, to to look at the weird and the wonderful that we would never see in our ordinary lives. And you have people like Barnum who had his circus, and he would bring you know the bearded lady and these sort of quirks from life, the Elephant Man. You know, it's all a sort of a circus. It's showing off something that's a little bit different. Mm. So I I was interested in performing uh, as a performer. I wanted to be a film maker or a, an actor or a performer of some description god knows where i get that from probably my dad who was he did a bit of um amateur magic but the thing about magic is you're hiding the sleight of hand and i was very rubbish at hiding the sleight of hand i wanted to show the skill 
So I started to learn juggling and unicycling, fire eating. I lay on a bed of nails um, and a slack rope walking, walking on a rope that's not tight. So I didn't really do tight rope walking, but slack rope walking, mm-hmm. street shows, um, juggling razor sharp knives and things like this. And it's all about showmanship, and, but you're, you're entertaining. It's telling a story. It's just taking people out of the reality and the drab of life, you know, on a wet, miserable day, they're out shopping and there's this idiot on the street going, gather around, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to juggle these knives and I'm going to hypnotize this person and they won't feel it. I'm going to walk on freshly broken glass and all this sort of stuff. And um, it's, it's just, it's, I don't know what it is. I mean, if you're a performer, if you've got that in you to perform and tell stories or to to show off, which clearly I did have, and I still have in in a different way, just a little less showy off now, hopefully. Um, it's it's great fun. So I've run little circuses and you teach people. The, the, the wonderful thing is people get inspired and they go, how do you do that? And you go, well, actually, it's not as difficult as it looks. I did some knife throwing and um, we had a little circus and I wanted to learn knife throwing. Never done it before. And I got a book. It was mostly, you know, back in the day, all this was before YouTube, where you could just watch a video and someone would tell you how to do it. The thing about knife throwing is it isn't it's it's a bit of an illusion, really, because you have a board. You get a beautiful girl to stand in front of the board and you lob knives at her at great force because you they've got to stick in the board. Well, you practice throwing so that you can get them to to turn enough times. It's all very dramatic. But most knife throwing goes edge on like this because that's the that's the way to see it. But when we got the young lady that we were in our little circus to stand in front of it, I said to my uh, fellow uh, chap who was doing this with me, I said, uh, look, he wasn't as good at the knife throwing as me, but he was just interested to do it. I said, look, I'll stand there because we'll have to demonstrate when this girl comes who wants to get a job to tour around with us, that it's actually quite safe and that we, you know, we won't kill her because the object of knife throwing is to miss, not to actually hit, of course, but you want to be as close as you can. So I stood there and we'd work this out really, but throwing a knife is like throwing a dart or something you throw and you can see the line. You can see where the knife is going as it spins, you only have a few seconds, but the, the you know, the human brain is incredibly clever and you can, you can see it's going to hit here. It might only be like an inch or two away, but you can see it and you get a sense of how close. So you'd sort of, you know, slowly get wider until that person is, and is, is comfortable. And if you've practiced enough, so it's a lot safer because when you're in front of where the knives are coming, if it's coming and you go, Oh, that's going to hit me. You could just move subtly like this and it will miss you. From the side, it looks like you're going to hit that person and it's just a miracle that you don't hit them. And so much of the, the performance is, is a bit like that. It's not trickery, it's illusion. Mm-hmm. Same with magic. Um, but you've got to be able, you've actually still got to be able to throw the knife so it spins at a turn and a half and thud into the, into the board. So there's, a, you know, there's a, and, and a lot of things are balance, walking on slack rope cycling on a unicycle uh juggling is you know again it's it's muscle uh memory once you've got it you know um the question it, everybody wants me to ask you is did did you ever hit the girl i did i did uh twice <laughs> once on the inner thigh 
Um, oops, sorry about that. Uh, once on the inner thigh. Um, the knives are about a foot long, something like that. They're not terribly sharp. It's only the, the, the point that was sharp. I mean, they hurt if they hit you, but they go like this. If you don't get the spin 100%, it won't go into the, um, the board, the knives I was using. Um, so these aren't like your hunting knives and things. I wouldn't, you know, because for showmanship, that's a bit dangerous. You'd have to be really, really good. Um, these were quite big, big knives. And the thing about the human body is you've got a little bit of depth. So actually, when I hit her, however wide her leg was, the, the turn hadn't finished its full turn because it's only on the last millimetre or two that it actually hits the board. So it was it was still on its turn. So I, I hit her, but it it just hit her on the flat. So she didn't, you know, she went out, but it didn't actually penetrate or anything like that. Um, and it's so it's, uh, so it, it's physics. It's phys same with lying on a bed of nails. But, uh, it, you know, you sp spread the load a bit. It hurts, definitely hurts, especially when you look in the room and you say, who's the biggest bloke in the room? And, and somebody of 20 stone comes up and goes, I'll stand on you, mate, and you're lying there and they climb up on you and and you've you've painted the illusion that as soon as you get trodden on, your your body will sink to the, you know, these six inch nails will sink down to the bed and there'll be blood, guts, and everything. And, you know, please don't um don't all rush to the front because you'll get splattered by all this goo. And it's it's all an it's all an illusion. It's all entertainment. At the end of the day, people, you know, they they love it. And and it's it was fun to do. Um, but you kind of move on and do other things yes hence why we're we're here today absolutely thank you so much for letting me take richard part. you've been absolutely brilliant uh, what an absolutely lovely gentleman and thank you for everything you're doing we're going to put all your okay. links below we'll put your youtube channel links so folks have a look in the description box um just stay on the line so i can thank you properly richard but massive love to you and, and your loved ones the same for everybody watching if you could like and subscribe, click the notification bell, folks. That's always going to help. And we'll see you next time. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris.Thrall. Thank you.